Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dear Fandom, where everything you like is terrible, and that's okay. I'm Hillary. And I'm Megan. And today we are discussing uh, the wonderful and extremely strange comic book series and now television series, The Umbrella Academy. Megan, what do you know about The Umbrella Academy? I know that I've watched season one twice. (laughs) (laughs) I just rewatched the first season with Mike uh, last week or two weeks ago um, because we know that season two is coming out on July 31st, so we wanted to be reacquainted and also because... uh, what's it called? Umbrella Academy is definitely one of those TV shows that benefits from additional viewings because you're like, oh, how did I miss that? How did I miss that? How did I miss this as well? It's very yeah. good. No, it's super. It's super good. They uh, the showrunners really uh, paid. Gerard was like kind of like tangentially involved with the show and like he didn't write any of the episodes or direct any of them but he was an executive producer and kind of oversaw a lot of the stuff so like they really like paid attention to his input and also he he uh recorded two covers of songs that appeared in the soundtrack so um that's yeah um i just reread the comics as well as rewatched the television show i've seen the television show i think i've seen it about five times um damn uh, that's impressive it took me i think after it originally came out it took me like two or three months to even watch it originally because i didn't know that umbrella academy was written by gerard way uh and i think the reason that i got into it in the first place was because they were like they're millennials and i'm like oh wow and it's not terrible and they're like yeah well it is but you know not in what you way you think <laughs> so <laughs> it's terrible and that their lives are sad <laughs> but it's relatable in that sense it's not terrible like you know any given like millennial drama or whatever it's it's relate it's terrible in the fact that you're gonna watch this and go vanya what are you doing come on (laughs) truly no you get really uh you get really attached to these characters like in the television show kind of like benefits from making them all millennials in a world that doesn't necessarily wouldn't probably necessarily describe them as millennials we'll discuss the anachronisms later yes i actually that was something i didn't notice on the first watch through was that there are no cell phones there are no computers every car is like a 70s 80s 90s kind of car Yes, and there is um, there are theories as to why that is. Um, so uh, Gerard um, Gerard Way is the singer of My Chemical Romance. Is because they recently got back together. Um, <laughs> ah, um, I I would die for him, um, but that's not relevant. <laughs> um, he originally started coming up with these ideas in like. 2005-2006 in the MCR documentary um, uh, Life on the Murder Scene, uh, you can see there are clips of him showing uh, um, showing the interviewer sketches of who would later become number one, Luther. He named him something different in the um, in the clip. He called him like Dr. Darwin or something and had, but had the, like, the similar idea and that's what was shown like the ink, the baby inklings of um, the Umbrella Academy. Uh, he ultimately did not go on to draw it, even though he is a very good artist. He is primarily a comic book writer and has been working as a comic book writer for the past several years after the band initially broke up. Uh, the first volume, the first six issue run of 
Umbrella Academy called Apocalypse Suite came out in 2007 and it ran 2007 to 2008. And then Volume 2, Dallas, came out like directly after. It was like 2008 to 2009. And then they just like hung out for 10 years. You know, and, as you do, as a writer does. <laughs> and Hotel Oblivion came out really recently in 2018 and the run concluded in uh, mid-2019 after the television series of Umbrella Academy came out. Um, the, the premise of Umbrella Academy is that it's a wacky one buckle in kids um Yay, i'm excited let me know <laughs> so um on we're i'm going to go with the television show's um storyline because in the books it's kind of set in this like amorphous time period that's kind of kind of now but kind of the 90s it's not really clear um but in the television show in um in Octo- October 1st, uh, 1989, so everybody's a Libra, um, <laughs> 43 babies were born around the world, and the mothers of the babies had shown no signs of being pregnant before giving birth um, at all, and it was just like, you're on a train, well, there's a baby, and um, this billionaire, this eccentric billionaire named Reginald Hargreaves, who spoiler alert he's an alien um (laughs) it's it's just it's straight up stated in like the second page of the first comic book so like it's fine (laughs) and and in the tv show they do show him at um like at the end the last episode episode 10 it's got the uh cold open with him and some dying british lady as you know um but then he looks out his window and he's like in the middle of a farm in like with like spaceships all taking off and and the first time i watched that i was like england doesn't look how i pictured it and then the second time i went because it's not england megan (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) i think the show was a little the show was like a little more subtle uh the show was a little more subtle with it um, than the book was. The book is like Reginald Hargreaves, inventor, an eccentric billionaire, space alien. <laughs> and like, you know, I think the, that probably the showrunners for Umbrella Academy were like, ooh, that's a nugget. We gotta hold that one back. Like, we're starting so strong with the 43 women who just were not pregnant in the morning giving birth. Like, we gotta hold back a nugget of alienism just for like a bit. So... <laughs> exactly. So, um... Uh, so Reginald Hargreaves, space alien extraordinaire, goes around and he's like, he's basically like, listen, he tries to get as many of these babies as possible. He's like, listen, I will pay you whatever sum of money you want. Give me your baby. And he gets seven, which is impressive. That I is honestly, scale of like uh, 43, seven, that's a good percentage. Like, wow. Honestly, I would bet on that. Like, if that, you- is, that is one sixth of all, of all the babies. <laughs> And I think probably for the seven people who did say yes, because do they ever elaborate on that in the comic book? Because in the no. TV show, you only ever see the Russian girl who's like barely 16. And she's like, uh, yeah, here you go. <laughs> yeah, no, um, they never, they never expand. They, they kind of, it's, it's just like exposition and now we're off. Um, so, um. <laughs> In the in the show, it's uh, it's eighty nine, and um, uh, Hargreaves gets seven of these kids, and um, we're gonna rattle them off. One, uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. So, <laughs> uh, 
So um, these children all end up having powers. And I say all because um, one's powers are revealed later. We have number one, who is named Luther. It's made unclear who gave the children their names. Um, In the show, it's implied that their robot mother, who um, Hargreaves kind of invented to watch over them, gave them the names. But it's not really made clear in the comic books who gave them the names. And he refers to, Hargreaves refers to them as number one, number two, number three. Um, So number one is Luther, and he's super strong. He's really, really strong. Um, Number two is Diego. I call him Knives. I'm not exactly sure. I in the comic book they um he's kind of a vigilante, mm-hmm. and in the the same thing as in the television show um he's just really quick combative you know like very good with weapons. Um, yes. Allison has probably the most frightening power of them all. Um, she's called the Rumor, and when she says, "I heard a rumor that you blank," it happens. So she could say something as innocent as, I heard a rumor that you went and got me ice cream. And you'd be like, let's go to Haagen-Dazs. Um, or she could be like, I heard a rumor you killed yourself. And um, the person would do it. So um, then we have Klaus, my baby darling. <laughs> um, who actually has a relatively minor role in the comics. And is kind of comic relief more than anything else, but has a much larger role in the show. Yes. And he is, um, he's called the seance in the comics. Uh, it's not really brought up much in the show, like that particular name, but he communes with, he communicates with the dead. And, um, in the comics, he can only do it when he's not wearing shoes, which is really useless. And in, um, <laughs> Ow, that hurts to laugh. <laughs> what kind of weird, like, at least with the TV show, they're like, oh, yeah, in general, so drugs, you know, will dull your senses and sensibilities, specifically something messed up like heroin or cocaine. But, uh, shoes, that'll be it. That's the line we draw. He'll never take off his shoes. Listen, here's the thing. Here's my theory. Gerard took a huge bong rip and was like, okay, listen. Shoes. <laughs> listen, look at me shoes like i don't i'm I'm trying to like like you know i think klaus's power is is one of the definitely understated powers in the like in the group and it's it's i can see why like as an as a writer you'd be like yeah how much how much usefulness could communing with the dead possibly be uh but like it's it's just i think it's more of the journey that klaus goes on throughout the show and especially dealing with a power that you know he's dealing with so many different aspects of of life that uh his power i think contributes to like how he like you know why he doesn't want to deal with life and it's it's just really so good and like i guess for me like with the comics i was really hoping that they'd be like and klaus can not only commune with the dead he can like you know like he did in the show he can go into like heaven or hell and like oh he does he does he does go into he goes into the afterlife like he goes into that that whole scene the black and white scene in the um the black and white scene in the um show show? yeah tv show i I couldn't figure out the word for show (laughs) um uh that's actually um because the comic books are printed in color and the rest of that um that sequence is um klaus in color and everything else just line drawing it's really interesting actually it's oh that sounds cool as hell it's really cool and god is a cowboy 
And um, God is in... I think it was really interesting to make God a little girl on a bike. Like, it was a very, like, much more fitting for television. But, you know, God is a cowboy, very American. Like, you know, Gerard, you know, fucking hammering us with the American metaphors. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's his power. And we'll get to him later. Um, okay. Number five is the only one without a name. And I have a personal theory is that he he's kind of a pragmatic personality and doesn't really, like see the use of having a name like he it it doesn't matter to him Mm -hmm. um and his ability is time travel and he's been missing for like like 17 years or something like that his power reminded me so greatly like especially because he can teleport so he's he's uh the master of space and time and his ability to control his power reminds me so heavily of hero from heroes yeah because hero could um teleport relatively easy pausing time he was something he could do it was hard for him but then when he did mess around with time travel like he ended up in like you know the Edo period in japan and he's like ah shit so (laughs) same thing like the same kind of logic applies and i do like like i know it makes no sense because it's not like time travel is a real power that anyone's really gonna have but i do like giving characters those barriers because otherwise you'd have the audience going well why not just travel like why don't you travel back two weeks in advance or something you know exactly i think that it's really it was very essential for him to be not fully in control of his powers and also to be young and kind of like stupid yes like getting away from his father from their from their father who was abusive and accidentally transporting himself into the future and being unable to get out um for in the comic books it's 50 years but in the um in the television show it's less time it's like more like 37 or something like that yeah because he's 13 when he leaves and then they find him again at 58 yeah so it's 45 years it's 45 years yeah um he's um he's 10 in the comic books so um which the implications of that are insane but wow that's so much younger i mean i i'm i think you you would not be able to find a 10 year old who did the justice 2 5 that aiden gallagher did because like i watched that show and i went damn what adult did they get to put in the body of that child because that was a great shot like it was (laughs) it was just something that freaked me out so much but then like upon watching it the second time you can obviously tell like when he's drinking the margarita you're like that is straight up mountain dew like let's not pretend here (laughs) yeah they did not get that 15 year old drunk are Um, you certain (laughs) so um so that's number five um number six is ben who he has like tentacles burst from his body and he's dead and we don't know why he's dead and in the comics i i have i'm reading hotel oblivion right now but i i like reread the first two issues because that's really what's mainly covered in the television show yeah so um because both elements from both issues are um taken and put into the show um but he has much more of an active role in the show and thank god because ben is great what's his power called it's called something specific right um it they call him the horror the horror that was it yeah because i mean in terms of a power wow what a rough one guys 
What's yeah. what's your power? Uh, I have giant squid tentacles that kill everyone. I'm Cthulhu. And- I'm, Cthulhu. I'm Cthulhu inside, though, not outside. Just inside. Like if if I ever pull open my shirt, it's Cthulhu. <laughs> when will my reflection show the Cthulhu I am? <laughs> oh man! Um, and then number seven, my baby. Um, meek violinist and closeted lesbian Vanya um, who has been told all of her life that she doesn't have powers she's normal she's you know and she has to take pills for her anxiety spoiler alert they're not for her anxiety Um, they're to suppress her powers because she can control sound waves in order to like bend objects around her Mm -hmm. and her powers are way too strong and Hargreaves kept her on a regimen because he was afraid she would be a danger to others. She's like she's like the Dark Phoenix equivalent, sort of. Yeah, I I see that now. That makes sense. You'd be like, oh yeah, just pretend your powers are really, really like, or don't exist, I guess, in the case of Vanya. But with Phoenix, it was like, your powers just really suck, so go ahead and throw some frisbees at Cyclops. You got it? Great. Good job. Um, <laughs> exactly. Like, your powers are weak, though. You're, you're kind of hot, but your powers are weak. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. And like, oh god, that was such a good... Like, that reveal of, like, she had powers. Like, I think the entire audience the entire time is, like, she's got powers, but we didn't know what it was or, like, how to like how it would be revealed. And then when it was revealed, like, specifically the part um, where in the show when uh, I keep wanting to call him Vinny, but it's not. It's freaking Harold, right? Or something? Or Leonard? Leonard. 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 Um, Harold, Harold slash Leonard, but I keep wanting to call him Vinny because that actor was in Orange is the New Black as some guy named Vinny, and he's just always going to sound and look exactly like a Vinny to me. <laughs> he's, he's got that real kind of Vinny, Lenny, Joe. Yeah, like definitely like somebody from Brooklyn who's like weirdly nerdy and geeky, but like also leans in heavy to their like Brooklyn personality, and you're like, okay, let's take a moment. You're from Long Island. Um, <laughs> But uh, when that scene, when the three guys are, like, kicking his ass, and then she has that, like, burst of wave, like, that was shot just so beautifully. And it was just, like, a really good, like, framing of just, like, she's not really in control of this. It's very much her emotions. It's her emotions, which have been suppressed by the pills and the fact that, like, she was told that she was, like, normal all her life, and the only thing she was good at was the violin. Yes. And even then, you know, she's not as competent like at she like does not play with emotion because she doesn't have access to her emotions in the comic book she is a violinist but she is much less of a meek little mouse and she's kind of like a sexy siren and she gets called to this hall and it's full of this orchestra. It's this evil orchestra. And they're like, we want you to play this piece of music called the Apocalypse Suite. And it's going to end the world. And Vanya's like, bet, let's do it. Because um, she she tries um, she tries to go back to her family like she does after Hargreaves dies. Hargreaves dies, by the way. That's what sets this all off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Spoiler, you'll find it out in the beginning of the movie. Of the, yeah, of the TV everybody, show. everybody comes back. And they're all, they haven't seen each other in years. Luther and Allison are weirdly incestuous. Like, Klaus is wearing a skirt. It's a time. Um, I want to just give you, like, a really hot take on Luther and Allison. I hope you don't mind. Oh, I'm so excited. I okay. probably have the same take. So, um, so you know, uh, 
as Hillary said, uh, Luther and Allison, at least in the context of the TV show, I'm not sure exactly how they, deep it is in the it's comics. very explicit in the comic books. Well, um, I mean, to be honest, I know in the comics, Luther looks literally like a monkey with a human head, so good on Allison for getting just the hairy version of Tom Hopper. Um, so, <laughs> it's it's just that, so I, I very much see with luther and allison at least in the tv show it's a lot more clear-cut that they look at each other and they go okay we're we're sister and brother but we're not sister and brother you know what i mean and i feel like this is very almost kind of um oh my god veronica andrews or whatever uh flowers in the attic type situation yeah it sort of it sort of is the um the equivalent i thought of actually um with these two VC was uh margo margo and richie tenenbaum yes that's actually Actually, I, f- I find that that relationship is just way more, like, realistic on the behalf of Margot. You'd be like, yeah, I guess my brother's kind of hot, but, like, also no. And, like, well, Margot, yeah. I think Margot's relationship with Richie and Luther's relationship with Allison, it's obviously they're both formed in trauma. Like, they, they form these attachments due to their respective traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just that with Margot and Richie, they're way more upfront about their traumas. They're like, yeah, we're fucked up, aren't we? And they absolutely are. Whereas I think Allison and Luther, both in their own mind, are like, you know, I think they both realize that they're kind of the building blocks of, of the Umbrella Academy, Luther being super strong, Allison having the ability to mind control with her voice. And, uh, and it's just that, like, they had this kind of connection immediately because, well, one, Vanya was going to be out because uh, there's no way that I think Luther was going to, like, he, I think he always just saw Vanya as something other than, because it was it was said in the show that none of the other kids, she was four when they decided to not have her, you know, use her powers ever again. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that if I, you were to ask me to remember any specific memory of me being four, I would go, um nope can't give you a you can't tell you i can tell you general memories of my early childhood i could not tell you the year it occurred though and i couldn't tell you how old i was no exactly i think that um uh hargreaves picked that sort of like on purpose like picked it like made sure to pick up on it early enough so she would have no recollection of um of that and i think that um but I, I mean, my, my point is with Allison and Luther that it's, while it, it absolutely is uncomfortable, I think it's meant to be uncomfortable. It's meant to be this kind of relationship that was forged in, like, adversity, but not the kind of adversity like, oh, we're both soldiers and we fell in love and we formed this beautiful relationship to overcome it. It was more like their coping mechanism yeah. to overcome all of the shit that they had, like, shoved deep down inside of their soul to just not address or acknowledge forever. Yeah, no, it's... um you're absolutely right um and um i think the the show does a fairly good job of kind of like building building that dynamic and the sort of like the forbidden nature of it and yeah. Um, yeah. you can absolutely tell that allison's like a little bit less uncomfortable with it not less uncomfortable more uncomfortable with it than luther is because luther never matured luther never had a life outside of the house he was the one that never left you know yeah. allison's a movie star like, yes, and she already had a marriage and a child, so she was very aware of what an adult relationship is. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, they all come back, and there are all these elements, these rivalries. You know, Diego number two like really hates Luther because they're it's like the masculine energy. Um, they um, they all hate um, they all hate Klaus because he's on drugs all the time. But they 
don't stop and think for a second that maybe he's on drugs all the time because his powers are traumatizing and horrible. But, you know, whatever. That's neither here nor there. I think that's Uh, a running theme, though, throughout the entirety of the show. So Ben we can't really address because Ben's already passed. But it's just that instead of... So I I was talking to Mike about this while I'm watching the show. I'm like, it's all like they have this animosity for one another. Like... Diego, I know in the comic, doesn't have as strong of a hatred for Vanya as he does in the show. In the show, no, it's, he doesn't. It's almost he actually, like he actually loves Vanya, which the, is such in an interesting comics. creative decision um, to decide to take this character, these two, this character relationship, Vanya and Diego, and to literally turn it on its head and say, "Well, while they love each other in the comics, I don't believe that will be conducive to a storyline." And I do agree that specifically Diego's way of attacking Vanya is just so realistic because it's you've absolutely seen like that at family reunions or at family get-togethers where they'll just be like a lot of animosity between two people and they could be you know two 80 year olds and they'll still fucking hate each other because of something that happened a long time ago that they never forgave and uh i think that that diego's ability to keep a grudge is just it speaks to the fact that he always has i mean he has the same kind of like you know grudge-like relationship with luther because luther was number one and he was only number one in terms of isn't their isn't their order determined by their like when they were born in that minute yeah basically it's like completely random it's not you know based on ability or strength or anything like that exactly so diego's formed this animosity this anger this anger problem because he's just i think he's he's given himself all of these like hallmarks that he has to reach as a person like i like he's trying to be super strong he's trying to be this vigilante justice and then you know vanya's coming around and like any of his failings he just he misplaces his anger in every single way i think a lot of his own issues have to do with his own way that he's dealt with his life yeah maybe he's not happy because he's you know living in the basement of a freaking boxing gym yeah, he, he has. He said takes it on his siblings. Yeah, no, exactly. He has an incredibly inflated sense of self worth, and like all these siblings, um, because Hargreaves was supposed to give them um, this. It's I'm gonna I'm gonna go all like you know capitalism is a devil um, here, but like um, I think that um, there's this illusion. Um, there's this illusion that, like, m- with money comes, like, a comfortable life, comes a, you know, a life that um, is preferred. Yeah. And, yeah, they all grew up very wealthy with whatever they wanted, but they were isolated, they were miserable, and they all grew up to be stunted adults. One of them didn't grow up at all, really. Um, I mean, yeah, literally. Actually, he as funny as it up. sounds, he's the most grown up having not grown like having grown up and then grown back down (laughs) yeah it's like he's like oh you crazy people he's Um, the one so the number five is the one like um it's at the end of the show he's talking to hazel and hazel says if you could do it all over again what do you think would happen and he looks at diego like passed out on the floor because he knocked him out and he goes i guess i'd also grow up to be an emotionally stunted man child and then uh and then hazel like you know taps him on the shoulder and goes okay then grow up and it's just like it's just the most beautiful like hazel i'm not gonna lie is my favorite fucking character i love hazel so much because hazel throughout the entirety of the show i'm like man he really just wants better benefits what's going on (laughs) here's the thing that's um that's i i'm gonna get to cha-cha and hazel when i talk about the differences between the 
um, comic book and the television show um, because that's that's an interesting, very like distinct difference. And Cameron Britton plays that role really well. We've he's, also seen him as Edmund Kemper. Anyway, yes, in Mindhunter, and he's phenomenal as Edmund Kemper. But I also I do want to like give like a brief like fawning adoration of Cameron Britton because as an actor, Mary J. Blige is someone who's known. I mean, you'd have to have been like five and just gone for 40 years and been like oh who's mary j blige <laughs> and like there's no way i mean i like and as uh, cameron Britton is three years or three years older than me so he absolutely had to be aware of everything mary j came out with in the 90s and the 2000s and so like to, to act to ask an actor who is also a millennial to act alongside mary j blige you have to be able to hold your own weight and they really in terms of like their chemistry on screen it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was something that was like, I, I think in terms of like, I knew they weren't the villains, but like, I loved watching all of their scenes and all of their dynamic. In the, in the comic book, they never take off their masks. They're never humanized. They just kidnap the people in the donut shop and they, um, they're hopped up on sugar. And then at the end, um, they're convinced to kill each other. And they do. And that's the end of them. They're really just bit characters. So the fact that the writers of the show took them and made them an integral part of the plot, made them made them an integral part of Klaus's developing storyline. Yeah. And um, made humanized um, the organization that um, Five worked for. And, like, um, made made the audience see the sort of average side of it because five was exceptional like he was the best yes but like they're just like they're kind of like shirley in accounting they're like not like you know yeah they're kind of this general like like anybody could be like you you have it like like i saw the way i saw the uh the was it the corporation or commission the commission the commission the way i saw the commission in the show was very much like it runs very much like any any office like there's it's kind of just faceless employees you've got your caseload over here you've got your person in charge of briefcases over here you've got your agents in the field over here and no one real has really has any identity in terms of like within the company it's just you're more so identified by the department you work for and the only people who have the identity are those top ranking achievers like number five and uh and i think with with um seeing like and seeing the uh i can't remember oh my goodness i literally watched this a week ago um uh the, the handler okay there we go i'm like chelsea handler okay <laughs> chelsea <laughs> so seeing the handler like the handler is truly like evil in a way that like it's it's just like in the way that she talks and she's just she has this controlling presence over everything well, she, well, and she, to know that this isn't as big of a thing in the comics as it is in the tv show like i'm really glad it is a big thing in the tv show because they just seem very very interesting it's it's entire the aspect of time travel um uh the boss is entirely different the handler is entirely different um the handler is just a completely whacked out character that's um actually a um it's a fish in a tank on top of like a robot body that has a genius intellect Okay, and have you ever seen the movie Megamind? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, what's it called? Um, Gerard did it before Megamind, so jot that down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and um you know it's it goes in completely surreal direction so the show kind of like brought it sort of back to reality time travel is very important because they time travel in the um in uh okay so the probably the most important aspect you need to know about this universe is that john f kennedy was never assassinated like that is the most important thing like that is like the establishing that is why their america is so different because jfk was never assassinated so the reason at least that that can kind of explain why america hasn't progressed technologically as fast as this current 20 well 2020 now but 2019 back you know last year is because of jfk's um you know there's the no assassination of jfk led to uh, just not a leap forward in technology it led to um it led to sort of like a different reality like a different approach because um lbj was a like a seminal figure in like springing america forward into um what was it the space age that's what they were called space age civil rights movement everything like yeah lbj was like um he was like a seminal figure in that and if um it, in a universe in which Linda Baines Johnson was not president ever, you know. Yeah, true, because he was only the vice president. He was only the vice president. Who then became president due to the assassination of Kennedy. Yes, and then he got elected again. So, yes. So, um, and his his contributions to the American sort of landscape, like the American technological civil rights landscape, were monumental. And JFK was headed in that direction, but he was kind of like a rich boy sweetheart sort of deal and like very much in the old ways and like that sort of thing so um and the uh second uh the second uh volume of the umbrella academy deals with the assassination of jfk so so then i guess what my biggest question is because that's in the tv show that's the moment when five leaves and jumps into 2019 yes is during the is during his own mission to assassinate kennedy which i guess because if you think about the modern discourse on kennedy it's that it's a gigantic conspiracy because there's no way to definitively prove that it was just one shooter though technically they were like oh they released the documents everything's just fine i feel like you know there's no matter what's going to happen 50 years from now there will still be conspiracy theories floating around about who killed jfk and why did jack ruby die as well so uh it's just it's very like the discourse is sorry lee harvey oswald and jack ruby they all died oh no okay this isn't going to become a conspiracy podcast i promise no 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 but but this um uh the the main the main point of the umbrella academy is it's a very american comic it is set in america like an unnamed american metropolis but you know it is all about america yeah and um uh the the reason the future is the way it is and all the anachronisms that exist in it and all of the of the fact there are no cell phones no no modern cars um klaus is listening to like a fucking cassette player when he's in the bath i mean if you look at the uh the 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 when when five goes to the medical implant office building Mm -hmm. all of their records are kept in file cabinets yep there's no computers um, Which is crazy to me. Oh my god, I feel so sorry for those people who have to sort that shit. <laughs> I know, it's fucking wild, dude. And um it is all because um it is all because five was taken away from his mission to 
assassinate JFK. That is insanity. And I, I think my biggest, like, so for season two, which... Oh my god! I'm they're like, going I'm like the so da- they're, they're going the Dallas route. They have to be going the Dallas route, though. I don't know how they're going to execute um, execute the assassination of JFK. So spe- so since we don't know for season two, let's at least if you want to, it's a spoiler technically for the comic books, but it's not a spoiler for the TV show because the TV show is obviously not on the same path as the comic books. No. It's the equivalent of saying like anything that's based off of anything is just going to follow it verbatim. It's not going to. We're not. It's, this is not holes by Louis Seychar. Nothing else will be completely accurate to the source material. No. Uh, so so in the comic book, what exactly happens with regards to JFK's assassination? Do they correct the timeline? How do oh. they? do it okay so they go um they go back in time they go to 1963 in dallas and they switch out jackie o with allison and allison says you know i heard a rumor that the back of your head blew off which would automatically make it happen yes which means that there wouldn't need to be a shooter it would just be uh, some kind of magical force that would force the back of his skull to fly off yes wow that is just horrifying (laughs) (laughs) yeah and through and um throughout the throughout the second book you know because um allison getting her throat sliced by um vanya still happens like so how does she get her voice back um just heals what does it just heal it heals over time and through the time travel and sort of uh she through like kind of like a negotiation she does that in exchange for getting her voice back and then jfk dies and then there's like a scene later and she's like i didn't do that just to get my voice back like it's not about that it's about you know um integrity and blah 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 um huh so i guess now i know one of the biggest changes from the comic book to the tv show is that uh in the comic book, basically every member of the Umbrella Academy is a white person. Everyone and, is white. And, and so it, in the TV show, you have Diego, Allison, um, uh, and Ben. And I mean, all, at least those three are definitively, you know, someone of Latino origin, uh, a black woman, and you have an Asian man. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, it actually makes more sense. Um, it is. It makes a lot of sense for there to be children of different races because... Um, worldwide this happened and um since they're adopted there's no reason for them all to be white no and especially it it personally makes more sense who stands to benefit more from receiving a large amount of money from a weird eccentric billionaire people in disadvantaged countries i mean that's why they were showing vanya's mother at the beginning because she's a 16 year old russian girl and it's not like anybody living in russia at this moment is like man you know what i'm just really swimming in that uh whatever the currency is of russia yay (laughs) (laughs) um but it's just i think that makes more sense because in terms of just both one that's how geographic things like when you when you count up the population of the earth it's not just every white person in the world got pregnant all at once and gave birth it's more like you're going to have a, a a big variety of people of all different races uh giving birth at the same time and the odds are that that you wouldn't just have seven different white women who would be like, yep, sell my baby. You'd probably have 
multiple different kinds of women in different you know situations who'd be willing to sell their babies and that they just gave birth to who they don't know who the father is you know <laughs> oh exactly. that'd be a really easy way for me i i feel like certain people would be like i don't even know where this is and just give it like here you go i'd like a million dollars though personally just don't let i just that's feel like that's weird you know just the idea of like i am pregnant and the gestation period is something that's beautiful and amazing and you're like wow i can feel them kicking and oh, this is mine and not that you know it's like the, the child i own forever but like it's just it's a very beautiful thing and imagine just like you tomorrow you wake up and then your stomach just has increased in size you are surging with pain throughout your entire groin abdomen and your vagina and your back's on fire and you're just like well I hate life. This is awful. <laughs> yeah, this is... I did not sign up for this definitively. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, getting back to it. So, the idea that Allison specifically is the one who tells JFK, and she dresses up as Jackie O, it to... Yeah, and it's like, like I, it's not going to work just because, you know, Allison is, like, a, like a biracial woman yes. in this. And, like... Unless, you know, they kind of fuck with the timeline, unless they, like, like mess with Jackie O, unless they, like, do something, you know. In yeah. the com- in the comic book, it's, like, a switch, like, an identical switch out. She's got the hair, she's got the face, like, it's, like, um... It's, 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 it's even JFK was able to fall for it, and, like, his Secret Service were able to fall for it because she looked so identical. Exactly. I wonder if it's maybe... So just, like, theorizing that maybe Allison's going to you know still have a hand in the assassination of jfk but maybe she's going to like talk to everyone involved with regards to like the secret service or maybe the person driving the car and she's going to say like take this path you know um don't you know don't have cars close to or whatever like she'll tell people exactly how to arrange themselves so that way an assassination can still occur even if it's not her that's telling jfk to blow the back of his head up please (laughs) (laughs) yeah please just die for me like thank you thank you i love you um and it's it's i'm very interested to see everything as it's going to occur i'm really excited specifically for klaus because part of klaus's storyline and i assume the comic as well but is his relationship with dave and dave's dad. actually no dave does not exist in the comic book uh, okay well let's just talk about how great of an addition that is really really yeah, quickly okay so here's um yeah no we're gonna talk about that believe me believe me Yay. um okay so um in the comic book um he's kind of they go back in time in dallas and they go to the um they end up in vietnam you know, uh, so Klaus is in Vietnam and he's got a baby. He's got a baby for no reason. And it's not explained. And he just has a child. And um, it's assumed that he has sex with the, uh, some Vietnamese villager. And that is his baby. But, you know, he has the baby and it's like never really talked about again. So um, that's a really kind of surreal element of it. Um, and in the television show, uh, Hazel and Cha-Cha, the average office workers, um, average incompetent office workers because they leave their time machine behind. Um, He gets transported back in time, meets a guy named Dave um, on his way to boot camp and um, falls in love with him and uh, loses him and loses him on the battlefield. And when like the second after Dave dies, he's transported back. 
I <laughs> lost. I was crying, and like this, and like you know how they have those two timelines because five ends up going back. So everything that happened in like episode eight was like, <laughs> fuck you. Um, yeah, exactly. And but like, and like you see this moment where Dave appears, and like Klaus is really committed to his sobriety. I mean, what Klaus goes through, and I think it's episode nine where he's like he's confronted with you know doing drugs and like either you know getting high and just ignoring all of this pain and misery that he's feeling or saving luther like it's it's just you know he tries and it's and it, it, it it's like a really big moment for him in the tv show but his relationship with dave is something that was just like oh uh, and like for me um one of the parts that i just didn't like of the tv show specifically was when he goes to the vfw and i had oh, no idea awful. what the vfw was for a really freaking long time my dad is a veteran of the vietnam war and i had no idea what it stood for i'm just like yeah vfw vietnam fun ways yay like i had no idea and then i see like on the door veterans of foreign wars and i'm like oh that makes a lot more sense than what i was thinking in my head and they have klaus's picture on the wall with dave and i feel like the way that I know vets specifically, and I specifically know Vietnam vets, is if they're around a guy who looks just like their former platoon buddy's kid, oh my god, and they're already drunk because of course they all fucking are, um, <laughs> they'll they'll be like, oh, you, you Klaus's kid? Oh my god, I loved him. I think he was gay. We never saw him again. I think he died in battle or something, you know? Like, you wouldn't necessarily put two and two together, but like, that was the part that like, just, I was like, come on guys, we gotta have have that connection because otherwise it just looks like some drunk boomers beating up on Klaus. Um, the part of um, the part of it I didn't understand, and then it occurred to me that in this timeline, like the Afghanistan war did not happen. Um, like the current, like the Bush, the Bush era wars did not yeah, happen because true. the succession of presidents did not happen. Um, you know, I like my brain was like he like what if he's just a young guy who was in a different war you know like I, that was where my brain went and then i was like oh yeah in this timeline those wars there there might not have been a war like and that's what's so interesting is like so in the way that episode eight already kind of set up for the fact that how different the timeline can change just by going back in time one day mm -hmm. you know because in the in the timeline change you know otherwise luther and allison had gotten together Klaus had gotten sober and was able to use his powers the way he wanted to and see Dave. Um, Diego was arrested right at that point? Yes. Diego had been arrested but had not been released from prison. Um, and uh, Vanya was... Vanya was about to find out her own fucking identity as number seven and because she found the book under Leonard's bed and then all of that was changed because five went back in time to that moment when all of the umbrella academy the living umbrella academy was like we got to talk about saving the world and because because five decided to intervene in that moment uh t the timeline was changed so i'd love to see exactly so i'd like something similar personally with regards to what originally like we get some kind of like flashback as to what originally happened on that day you know just seeing even if it's just kennedy driving through uh the street and just being like hi and then bye and that's it and then just to see exactly what has changed and then after you know kennedy's assassination how the timeline changes yeah and um the part uh but i i wanna i wanna get to ben but like just one thing that made me want to throw myself into the ocean um 
uh, in the poster, in his poster for the season two, um, Klaus is wearing uh, Dave's dog tags. And I like, I can't, I can't deal with it. I can't. Beautiful. It's so good. Well, so then let's, let's close up at least with like talking about Ben, because Ben is a character that's, there's a lot of unknowns. So we don't know how he died. We know that he died uh, somewhere between 13, 12 and 13 years ago, according to the, the, the course of the show. So he was either 17 or 18 when he died. Mm -hmm. So by going back in time they're now bringing ben back to life that's correct right yeah i think so i think so um he's not really um he's not really in the books very yeah. much gerard is like listen i'm giving you a base story extrapolate all you want <laughs> yeah he isn't in, he isn't in it like as much as he is in the show or he's in it in a different way mm -hmm. um yeah i know um we don't know how he died we know it was horrible um it is implied in the show that it was awful um i just I, this is this, this is this thing like as a fan you're like i have to know but then as soon as you know you're like i know <laughs> yeah as, as soon as you know you're like god damn it i was really and that's the thing is i have no expectations on how ben died or like how horrific or gruesome it was or like what were the circumstances surrounding it but like I want it to be good. That's all that I really care about is like, I just need it to be something that after the episode's over and I found it out, I'm like, Jesus Christ. And I just sit there looking at my TV while Netflix plays the next episode. And I'm like, yes, thank you, Netflix, for just doing that automatically now. <laughs> thank you, thank you. As I like lie slumped on the couch, like depressed and horrified. I, but that's what I want in terms, like I don't have any expectations with regards to like, like part of me thinks like maybe the monster inside him like cut him in half or something but i don't believe that because if he was a child and he had this power it would have manifested itself in a worse way i mean it could have been something traumatic it, it's just the, the unknowns are just endless at this point but i'm just very 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 excited to see season two i yeah me too i think the um to sort of close it out um uh well two things to close it out um i think his death i I think his death contributed to the fact to the his both his death and Five's disappearance kind of contributed to the family splitting apart. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that um, I think that um, once Ben was dead, once Ben was dead, there was no point, and like the the ties had been like severed. Yeah. And um, Ben acts as Klaus's conscience now because he uh, Klaus feels so like guilty about the whole thing. Um, I think that, um, I think that overall, uh, Umbrella Academy, um, it has a lot of promise. It's a really interesting series and a really interesting show. And like, it deals with the American imagination and stretching the bounds of what, like, the superhero format is it's like absolutely this is this is x-men but to a different degree i think it's x-men it's a more introspective internal d discovery into how does being super powered in a world where not everyone is specifically most people aren't and you're kind of idolized for it or you're hated for it you know how does that affect your psyche and especially like you know the dynamics of growing up like that and it does deal with a w very more you know like quote-unquote dark look at superheroism superheroism but it's just it's i think just the actors that they chose um the, the season one particularly was just very well done i'm the changes that they did make from the comics do seem to have been overall far and wide 
very good in terms of creating this fleshed out full universe. Exactly. I think it was really, it was ambitious, but it paid off. And it's definitely something that benefits from watching more than once, uh, because you'll catch things you did not notice the first time. Like, uh, when, when Luther was revealed to be mostly monkey, I was like, huh, that's weird. But I think in the, like, cause I, and one of the things is, uh, that I read a review is that they, they wanted it to be more like the siblings to be more freaked out by it. But uh, when you watch it again, you realize that the siblings, like, you know, Diego's like, you got big, man. And they just assume that he got to this size due to his powers. And they're just kind of accepting of, of literally any changes in their siblings due to powers. Yeah. No, I think that um, uh, they handled these sort of, like, the fantastical elements of the comics and the sort of the surreal stuff that's not... Um, the surreal stuff that's not necessarily translatable to film very well they sort of like they, they hang a lampshade on it you know like with D, what Diego says and um, just one last thing because it yes. has to be talked about yes um, Vanya originally um, the iconic image for Vanya is the white violin which yes. is the skin tight suit with the violin, um, the violin cutouts in the front. Um, many a person has tried to cosplay it. You have to be in incredible shape to pull it off. Yes. <laughs> you cannot have an ounce of body fat. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the change, uh, the change from the comic book to the show, is more indicative of the character interpretation. I think Ellen Page did a really great job with yeah, asserting herself with that. Yeah, and I think with with uh, just in general the change to make Vanya uh, more, uh, I think more in line with who Ellen Page identifies as as a person, just mm-hmm. creates a better wholer character for Ellen Page to act as more realistically, especially in the confines of this very supernatural universe. Exactly. Um, to have grounded performances from your actors is just so helpful because like it just makes them real. It ma- even if they, she does have the ability to use her emotions as sound waves and, and attack waves, her, her emotions as, as, some, as a woman who's, who's queer, who's, who's, trying to, who's confused and trying to figure all this stuff out, it's, it's interesting and it's really, it's very, I think it's very relatable. Even if we aren't all, you know, able to use sound waves to control. <laughs> you know, sometimes if you're gay, you're gay. Exactly. Uh, and uh, with that, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, this was a really great discussion and uh, we got a lot out of it. And I really um, thank you, Megan, for contributing. Of course. So Anytime. much. Here. Actually, speaking of this, I'd really, I'm going to send you over uh, Watchmen, uh, the HBO series. Um, so that way I'm going to give you my login uh, so that way you can watch it on HBO and we'll talk about Watchmen next week because that is heavily related to everything that just, we just talked about today. All right. That sounds great. Well, everyone stay safe, stay healthy. Um, if you are out, um, uh, by the time, hopefully by the time this gets out, um, the protests and the, um, the sort of the riots will have died down a little bit and yeah. some sort of peaceful resolution will have been solved but right on you know we support you yep and stay safe and stay, stay protected stay safe stay protected black lives matter all right have a great evening day whatever and bye-bye bye bye